Earlier this year, the Castos team embarked on a brand update exercise. Uh, the idea and the goal of this was to, to bring our brand, our website, and, and kind of our presence online up to the standards that we believe the, the company and our products uh, are, are kind of at these days. Uh, the result of that is a fantastic, fast, beautiful website that you can see at castos.com a new layout and and styling within the customer dashboard where hopefully many of you manage your podcasts uh, and an update to our mobile app. And the the story that we're telling here in this episode is the story of of a brand exercise of us as a company uh, formulating kind of our brand position and what we want to say and who we want to be. Um, you know, there's a saying that like everyone has a brand. If you don't define it, someone will define it for you. And really, I think the goal of this exercise for us was to be really intentional about defining that brand internally, uh, sharing that through our products and our website and our messaging and our emails and kind of everywhere we are online and that customers see us. Um, and, and I hope you enjoy this as kind of a case study of what brand really is and what a brand exercise looks like internally. In this episode, I, I chat with three members of our team. Uh, to get their thoughts on the brand exercise uh, and, and kind of what the outcome of it was for us and how you as podcasters can take the lessons that we learned in the process that we went through and apply it to your show and your show's brand as well. I hope you enjoy. I start the conversation today with Francois Brill, our in-house designer who really led a lot of the creative process of the brand reimagination here at Castos. And I thought that it might be a good place to start of like why we started to do this in the first place, right? Like I think a lot of people say, why, why do we need a, a new logo and color scheme and website and stuff like that? I have the reasons I wanted to do it, but like curious if, if like the why behind this influenced the creative process for you any. Yeah. And I think, um, I also try to remember kind of the goals around why we wanted to do it. And also I think why now, um, because I've been working with the Castos brand for I think it was over two years now, and it's it's I've I've seen it mature over that stage as well and or that time frame and I think it was always it was always pending it was always something we wanted to get to, um, and I think naturally just mm. from my perspective like I saw the company growing and maturing, and we just got to this natural point where we needed to update the website but it only made sense to update the website and the marketing and everything if we really went back all the way back to branding back to the ground or the yeah the, the ground roots of like why do we actually exist like back to customer personas and really how do we put how do we portray that visually um, so that's kind of my understanding of it all perspective on it i was really impressed by how you like wanted to run this as like a process, like a creative process. Is this something you've done in the past with other like companies and brands? We normally run through a similar process, um, either if it's a brand new startup or existing companies that just want to kind of refigure what's going on. Because I think sometimes there's also this idea of it's good enough for right now. So I think a lot of companies just get to a point, get to a decision and kind of nail it in at that dial it in at that point. And never really look back. So I think it's, it's good now and then to reflect back and see, see is that still the best decision that we made? Um, and it's really once we start digging into the core principles and the branding and all of that, we really need to understand 
what makes us different from our competitors, what really makes us tick. And yeah, that, that part for me was interesting. Like I think, um, you know, as like the founder and a single founder, there's a lot of weight on my shoulders to get all of this stuff right. And, and like brand and the creative part is my weakest point. And so it was really reassuring to see that like what I thought we stand for in our purpose and vision and mission was pretty consistent um, with what everybody else uh, had input on. And, and like, yeah, we had, so we had input from uh, like marketing, um, like success, support, uh, and then like product and engineering, five different people, I think. And it was, yeah. it was nice that like we had a little bit of kind of additional breadth to what, what we wanted to do, but a lot of consistency too, which is reassuring, you know? Yeah. And I think it also speaks into how, again, a brand changes over time and naturally you would go through a maturing stage, I think. And it's, it's interesting for me to see that it's, it actually hasn't changed that that much and sometimes these type of things you go through the exercise um, and you end up with something very similar to where you were and it's, it's just reassuring um, a lot of the times and um, yeah I think it's it's the fact that it came came from so many different people in different um, areas in the company um, also just reassures us that we are on the right path that the mission or the vision that you have is still the same as it was a couple of years ago and we're still pushing on that same path and we're not going down a different path completely and it's just a, a case of like freshening things up um, and not really changing the perception too much because I think with it being a, an established brand we also don't want to change things completely and I mean we did have once you get into concept development we, we, we went through a couple of back to the drawing board, clean slate type of ideas and went in completely different directions. And I think we could start feeling on some of them that that's a little bit too far from our current audience, that it would feel too much difference. And there's a lot of brand work and reputation work that we've done up to this point. And we don't want to throw all of that out of the door as well. So I think there's certain visuals and certain things that people are used to seeing with the Castos brand. And we definitely try to capture that and, and make that part of the process as well. We embarked on this journey about six months ago, thinking about the, the brand that we want to portray through our website and our customer dashboard, our mobile application, our, our avatars online, and, and even this podcast. And I sat down and chatted with Kim McCaffrey, our customer experience manager, to talk through how she viewed this experience of a brand exercise with previous iterations of this type of thing that she's done in other jobs and in other kind of parts of her professional life. In particular, Kim and I talk about the amount of time that this process takes and it takes to do it right. I think if you've done it in six months, you haven't done it well. Okay. It, it should take time. Why? Like what, what about it just needs to take time? So like in the voice and tone guide, like I've, I've started adding some things so like so your voice never changes right it's who you are the company's voice the, the brand voice never changes tone changes and i always use the example of at a dinner party with friends versus at a football game with friends still your voice but your tone is going to be very different if you're consoling a friend versus celebrating with a friend or whatever honing in on that voice if you look at all the greats 
you know, the ones that have come before us and the ones that we kind of turn to for voice and tone. Yeah. You can look at an error message and spot it. That's, that's a, you know, it's clearly, you know, Slack is clearly Google. There are certain groups um, that have done that. And, you know, that, that will happen likely over time as we kind of refine that voice. But um, if it's not clear and succinct from the very first step, your voice will then also be changing as things are refined. We want the messaging, we want to get better at expressing that voice using tone in everything else. That that will have to change. That's not going to come out of the gate like completely like baked all the way through. But your voice needs to be because it's, it's 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 us. It's it's yeah. you know you you don't want to mess around with that because it'll be defined in a way that isn't us. You know um, if we don't define it first. So this is my first time doing this, right? Other than like in my old business and podcast motor, like I updated the website and changed some copy and that was it. Like that, that is not what we're doing. I hope that's not what we're doing. Like I, I view this as a bit of an aspirational move, mm-hmm. you know, and like uh, one of our, one of our mentors um, and investors use the term like aspirational pricing, even mm-hmm. like, Hey, I want to be this good <laughs> and I want to be this feature rich and I want people to to you know our customers to perceive us in a way that is this valuable mm-hmm. and a lot of this exercise is leading towards that not pricing but but perception you know of of like we are currently today because we've not rolled this out yet like a a good brand and, and like what the impetus for me with this was let's give ourselves the opportunity at least to be like a premier brand in the space. And I think, I think that the way I see it is like from a design and, and UI perspective, we've given ourselves a chance now, you know, with like the new website and the app design and all of this stuff, like it creates that chance. space for sure. Yep. Kim and I continue to talk about how the ability for us to define our voice will attract talent to the team and allow us to do things that previously we we probably wouldn't have been able to do. When you define your voice, like we're talking about whether or not we have, like maybe we think that there needs to be other people on the team and, and people that will bring in different elements. You will attract the appropriate talent because of mm. that brand voice. They, you, when they match that. So that's one of the reasons I joined the team. I had found a blog post that you had created, I think it was 2017. Um, I saw the values of the company. And that, that for me is very important. And the idea of working with this customer base, it was something I was just, uh, it was just the thought of it would make my heart sing. But that's what brought me here. But I was I dug for that. I, mm, I, yeah. um, that was an intentional, <laughs> you know, uh, choice. So it wasn't like I was like, you know, like in the market and, but I want to work for this company. It's not surprising, but still really amazing that things like voice and tone and brand and image of a company can attract someone, uh, to an organization like ours or to your podcast or to your brand. Uh, Kim is a huge asset to this company, and we wouldn't be where we are today without her. 
just another way of showing the, the power of brand and the things that it can do for a company or for, or for you as a podcaster. I also spoke with Matt Medeiros, Director of Podcaster Success, about his experience doing brand sprints and brand reimaginations uh, in his previous life in a web design agency. Uh, Matt has a lot of interesting insights about wh- what this allows a brand, and in this case, Castus is a brand, to do going forward. What about the process, especially the early process of like kind of re redefining the the brand and like the whole exercise we went through with Francois and the logo and the colors and the who who we are and what we rep- represent and stuff like what about that stood out and surprised you? I wouldn't say I was surprised as more that more than I would say I was happy that we we started taking that direction. It's not that you had never like considered or thought of, of it as important. It's just that now that Cassos is the size that Cassos is, um, and a lot has changed in just six months in terms of like how many employees we have and who we're working with. It was a moment for everyone to get together and say, this is the clear direction. Uh, and can we get to a point where we all agree of where we're headed right now, knowing that it can still change in, in a year, but it, it is that North Star for uh, the brand message and the culture or whatever that we as employees are, are looking at, the North Star that we're looking at, and also that our customers see that too. I, I've done a lot of those kind of brand exercises before, so I wasn't really surprised. It was the fact that I was much more happy that we've got, matured to this point where we're all sort of headed in the, in the same direction and the, our customers are seeing that at the same time. This is the direction that they're, they want to go in because it makes everything really clear for all departments inside of Castos, everybody from onboarding to support to sales to engineering. Uh, it makes that all really clear and it matches up with what our customers' expectations are. It, you know, once you can align those two, it's, it's really smooth sailing for both customer and uh, employee. Beyond the pretty colors and illustrations and things like that, we might ask ourselves, like, where does great design and great UX really come into play and where do we see it? Talk with Kim about where where we should see this and where customers should see it. And, and the answer is a little surprising. So UX writing, UX design, if done well, is invisible. It doesn't register because it's, well, of course, the button label is this. Of course, this seamless you know, consistency of design across the app, it's invisible. So if anybody's interested in getting into UX writing and UX design, know ahead of time, it is a thankless job. Thankless. Because if you do your if you're if you do what you do well, nobody notices it. Yeah. But at the same time, if you don't do it well, it creates a fragmented experience. It sticks out like a sore thumb. It's very powerful. At the very beginning of this brand exercise, Francois sent out a survey to to a handful of us in the company asking us to score where we thought the Castus brand should should lay on a series of spectrums. Uh, these, these spectrums were from elite to mass appeal, serious to playful, conventional to rebel, mature and classic to young and innovative, friendly to an authority figure, 
and rugged to refined and sophisticated. So for some of those, think of, you know, elite being Chanel and mass appeal being something like H&M, conventional being something like Honda versus a rebel brand like Tesla, and rugged like Harley Davidson to refined and sophisticated like Rolex. You start plotting out where you want your brand to appear on these uh, kind of spectrums, it really gives a clear idea of, of who, who you are and who your brand is and the, the image that you portray externally to your audience. Talk to Francois about his impression of the results of these surveys and how it guided the rest of the process. And I think what was surprising to me is I, I kept on getting all the results and I plotted each person in different colors as dots on those lines. So it was interesting seeing some of them grouped together naturally and some of them were in a wide spectrum like completely different um and i think the fact that it's interesting for me always is like a lot of people are they don't know what they like until they see it type of thing so it's difficult if you ask someone like what should this be or what is this brand like it's difficult to articulate for a lot of people um because they're not tuned into that and it's even for creative people it's difficult um but if you show someone something then it's easy to relate with something and i think that's why we we ran the exercise of these personality sliders to say are you more like a porsche car or are you more like land rover like rugged and it's like or that type of thing are you more like fast moving high consumer brand or you're more like timeless elegant like that type of thing and it's as soon as you put that type of other another brand image into someone's mind it's easy for them to relate and say to convert that back into a caster's brand from their own perspective as well as what we want to be portrayed as um, by our customers because when it comes to branding it's always like we can try and shape this as much as we want, but a brand at the end of the day is what our consumer or our users say about us. Um, so that's kind of the, the image that we wanted to capture there. Yeah, and I, like, I think that's a really important thing because um, our brand is not me. You know, I think our, yeah. like, our brand is, we've never met in person, but I think our brand is probably more you with like the cool hat <laughs> and the, the, like, the look and everything. Um, and I do, I do think that it's like it's okay for, especially non-technical, non-creative folks, to be aspirational with like what their brand ends up being. You know, like we want to be the Louis Vuitton, the expressive, the bright colors, the sexy kind of thing. Um, where like I'm pretty like blue collar nuts and bolts about a lot of things. Um, and so that was cool for me to be able to abstract myself from what I want the company to be perceived at as yeah and i think a a big part that plays into that is is our target market is creators and they're creative by default i mean to be able to put together podcasts and come up with the content and do the storytelling and everything that that is surrounded with that that's a creative process and i think creative people like associating with creative brands or like not the typical accounting black and white type of brand Um, and i think that's why i I think he hit the nail on the head with saying it's aspirational and we want to be in that creative field and we want to be expressive with with what we portray as a brand as well. Taking a step back, I talked to Matt about the the need for this in the first place and what what we all hoped this would achieve uh, for for the brand and our our ability to to do the kinds of things that we want to do as a company. It'll apply for, for you as a podcaster as well. You brought this up kind of as a concept, like right after you joined or right before you joined, even maybe just like, hey, we got to like, we got to up our game here. Like, but what is, 
like what does that mean like why why is that important like what 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 was the driver behind that that you saw well as somebody who comes out of the web design world and as somebody who sold web design for over a decade um the first and foremost is that is the trust of the brand and it's not that a pre-existing website was untrustworthy if you try to like throw a label on it but when you look at how fast paced the podcasting space is how many competitors we have you see them constantly pushing the envelope um, customers need to see something at the same level or beyond it to trust that you have a very capable tool before they even you know talk to you it's not trust in a sense like do i trust them with keeping my podcast up and running like they just want to make sure that they can trust us to solve their immediate problems and especially when we get you know into some of the enterprise accounts that we service they want to make sure that they're you know when they show us off to their stakeholder team their c-suite team that they feel like they've made the right decision uh, or their stakeholders feel like they've made the right decision by looking yeah. at Castos from the surface. You know, you have people say, hey, go start a podcast. And they go, yeah, I use this company called Castos. You want them to see the website and be like, oh, okay, sharp, looks great. Looks like they know what they're doing. Um, which can seem so trivial from the outset, but from a sales and marketing perspective, those are the things that are one off the call, off the Zoom conference that we just never hear about. And... I think um, I'm excited because I think that's going to be a, a pretty big shift for our direction. Putting your director of podcaster success hat on, how, and like talking to the listeners of this show specifically about their podcasts and their brands, because we start using this word podcast and brand interchangeably a lot these days. How should folks thinking about their own shows kind of relate what we're saying in this episode? To, to kind of how they think about the the image that they're portraying to kind of their audience and to the you know their genre in the podcasting world like what are the the takeaways you think that almost anyone could could take from this well the biggest standout is when you do a rebrand like castos like we've done and you set the direction that the course that your whole company is going to go down you know company your customers it's that moment that says, okay, we're, we're all here for the same reason, both the customer and the employee. So just like when you're creating a podcast, you have your premise. Even if you haven't, you know, we have our other show, Three Clips, hosted by Jay Akunzo. He really drills down into premise. Like he, if there were like an ultimate ninja warrior of premise <laughs> creating, he, that's the show you want to listen to. Um, you know, even if you've only thought about it on the surface, it when everybody gets into that boat, you all know where you're going. You all know why you're there. Uh, we're all headed on the same direction. You, we all got the right ticket. We're all going to the same destination. Yes. And that's what a major rebrand like this does. And you do that with your podcast. So if you're opening up with a premise, you've defined a premise, and you clearly articulate that with your listener uh, in each and every episode, then they know why they're there. They know why they're listening. Uh, and then they know why they're buying into, you know, whatever your, whatever your mission statement is for your podcast or whatever your call to action. Like if it's somebody that you're really just trying to measure the success of a podcast, they're all there for the same reason. And they know what they need to get from you every single episode. 
And then just from the fancy bells and whistles, like you got to make your brand look good. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, people talk about all the time is like, you know, hey, how do I rank up higher in Apple? And, you know, if I better get a better microphone or if this fancy software thing, yeah, I mean, those things do matter. But at the end of the day, like you have to treat your podcast like a well-branded business with a great looking website, with the right content, with the right call to actions, fast and just a, a notch up from your competition so you can stay ahead of the game. Like, you know, from the colors and design and the fancy stuff that people like to talk about. Yeah, that's a massive lesson. <laughs> Have a great mm-hmm. looking website, right? That That's going to look good and, and be a, a notch up from your potential uh, listeners competition. Aside from the personality sliders, one of the things that we did was ask uh, these handful of people within our group who were involved in the brand redesign to to select a few words that they believe describe our brand and the customers that we serve and, and our purpose as, as a business and as an organization. If you haven't done this for your podcast, it's a fantastic exercise to, to get really specific with words that that you want to be or you believe your brand is and, and the reason that that your brand exists and, and kind of the audience that you serve talk with kim about the results of that and how it formed some of the language we use on the site and and in a lot of our communication i think very fortunately we used the word creator a lot creator mm. and creative and then we used words like tools and growth a lot um and then like connection and audience a lot and so i mean if you just look at everything we're doing right now like it's it's just you put all those words in a sentence and that's that's who we are so that's mm-hmm. that's really cool yeah i do remember being relieved that we did not end up with a bunch of buzzwords that <laughs> that make me want to get a little ragey things like empower enable powerful words that really don't have meaning. Yeah. So I'll, I'll read it and, and see if anything uh, jumps out at you. Okay. So what we stand for, why use Castos? Uh, and the headline is creative freedom. Our customers are content focused brands that have a desire to create. They want a platform that supports their creative endeavors and gives them the tools to grow their shows. We are their trusted partner in podcasting with the services and tool set to make their podcasting experience easier, more efficient, and give back their time for creative freedom. So when we look at like private podcasting and we look at people that are looking at creating private content and monetizing, we see that as an opportunity to break from the norm, to mm-hmm. chart your own path, you know, obviously generating revenue from wherever you want to, however you want to, and you know, using uh, the, the platform uh, in that way. But there's a lot of others, not monetized, not private RSS fees, that find freedom just in the being able to have a platform for their voice. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of silenced people <laughs> in this world or that just don't have a, a camera to turn on they're not in front of a you know on television they're not interactive in media but yep. podcasting with the flip of a switch and virtually you know nothing special you have the freedom to communicate and uh there's a lot of a lot to be said about that um i actually just changed 
my signature in my email. I used to have an, an Albert Einstein uh, quote, and I just changed it not too long ago. Um, words and words and words are power. Mm. Yep. Uh, that was Margaret Atwood, uh, the author. How about this one? Uh, our purpose. This is the why we're in business. Uh, is to be the voice that inspires, challenges, educates, and empowers the creator economy. I remember when I first, um, when you and I first met, and I was kind of like, oh, I want to work for that company. <laughs> I was kind of in that mode. Um, I had applied for a role, and you had asked for a video, and I created a video and said something very similar in that, um, that there are a lot of voices that are out there um, to educate, to make us laugh, to teach us things, to challenge our thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the fact that we look to inspire that, to inspire the comics, to inspire the uh, people that do challenge our thinking and, um, and to teach us. And all of that teaches us. To be the voice that inspires. I'm sorry, go ahead. That first line was the voice, to be the voice that inspires, correct? Yeah. And challenges and educates. Challenges was the one that uh, I was scared of a little bit because that's a, that can be a negative word, like it could have negative connotations. But, um, but I think that a lot of our customers want to be challenged uh, in in their creative endeavor and their way to express themselves. And I think that you can't inspire and empower without challenging. And and I think that's why we wanted to include this because it's, um, you know, we got to keep it real. You know, we got to keep it real that like the creative process is hard. Building an audience and keeping them is hard. Um, and, and I think a well, this, you know, this, what we're doing right now is part of that challenge is it's challenging for us. It's challenging for me to talk about this because I'm a left brain engineer by, by trade. And so to, to put process and, and thought around who we are is challenging for me. And I think us sharing our, our experience of this is, um, is that like transparency that, that shares the challenge that we go through. And I think that other people hopefully can relate to um, with this. So I, I think the, the, like educate and empower, I think maybe, yeah, I think the rest of them are kind of layups, you know, like inspires, educates and empowers. That's, that's given for like, I think a lot of creative companies. And I think that the challenges one is for me, the, the one that, you know, like a big part of this brand exercise is to get us out of the box that is, that is me, you know, cause like, I think a lot of times when you start, like a, a, a company is, a lot of the founder and and a big part of having you and everyone else involved in the creative process is to to stretch that a lot you know and it's really uncomfortable but it's really good because now we're something much 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 better than i could come up with um and i think for me like that word is maybe the biggest example of that um and using i think you're right though maybe is the the second biggest one (laughs) being a creator is you know, it is challenging. And uh, sometimes we do find ourselves in the position where we have to kind of communicate, you can do better. 
going back to the the creative aspect of the visual elements of, of the new brand, the, the color scheme and the logo and the, the word mark and the fonts, talk to Francois about the the actual process that, that he and I went through after we collected the input from the team of the words that we use and, and where we want the brand to fall on these personality sliders, time to put that into action with actual visual elements. Uh, and the, the concept here is just create a lot of options. And then from there, we can refine them down. Talk to Francois about the, the process of, of creating those options and refining them from there. Like the, the biggest thing I believe in the creative process, the only way to have a good idea is to have a lot of ideas. So mm. we kind of like try to put it all out on the table. And I think I even said it to you in that, that first presentation of the the options it's like normally you only do three options but i had seven different directions i'm showing you everything um, and we can filter it from there um, and i think that's part of the creative process is like trying to put an idea out there not getting too attached to that to any specific idea and then like you say pushing it through that iterative process again just to to go back and forth on that how difficult for you is it to to like put all those pieces together between like the the shape or the image and the colors and the font, like to me, those are all three kind of big things that, that we want to consider. Like are any of those harder for you to really nail or is it kind of all of them have to be considered together? I think again, it's, it's kind of taken in, a, in the iterative approach. So the first differentiating factor that we definitely make is color. So we leave color out. So you normally try and do it in black and white. Um, and I think when it comes to logos, there's, there's a bunch of rules that you'll learn in art school as well. Like a logo must be able to work in a, on a small post-it stamp, like be very tiny. I think these days it's more like a social media icon, <laughs> not a postage stamp anymore. But it's like it needs to be able to work really small as well as really big and um, still convey the same meaning. So I guess and then also within that you get different types of logos. You get one with icons, one with just a word mark or that's just text one that has like different shapes and forms it, it can almost like a morph into different things so it's, it's always I think you don't necessarily know what type you're setting out to achieve but it's you're definitely playing a bit with fonts you're playing a bit with icons and I think coming with again the baseline of casters with having a microphone as an icon and a pretty like slick and modern font as well um, trying to just see how we can work with that um, and yeah so I would say the process was probably focusing on the icon first and i think even there like try to move not move away but try to explore different things besides just the microphone and i think things came up like obviously other audio things like speakers or other types of things and it's um it it felt too like the other thing that you want to avoid is is getting too narrow with the iconography so it's i think that's where we we kind of decided that even with some of the the elements it was too audio specific focused and already we focused or we allow you to publish to youtube or there's other parts of the business that extend beyond audio so we don't want to be too narrow in our thinking by by choosing a new icon that is that is not wide enough and i think the reason we stuck with the microphone was um again looking back at that base work we did we we did say we're still kind of serving the creator economy and like creators are always around a microphone talking whether it's audio or video or whatever that's the type of audience that we're interacting with so it's the microphone was still like central as an icon that we could pull into things um so i think that was kind of the thing and even coming back to the points of 
after that first version where we narrowed down the seven options to like a single option to pursue, even there, the next rounds in that was really going into each one of those elements. So the icon specifically, the font, and later on color, and really digging into each one of those and creating, I think the, for the fonts, we created 20 different options um, to really try and, and find a, a font or a typeface that, that suits our brand. Um, and even in, even in something like that, even I think after choosing the actual font, we always take it, you break, like in design, you call it break it up into parts. So it's not actual text anymore, it's just shapes. And then we kind of work with it, round up, round up some edges, kern, like change the kerning to make it fit closer together to read like it's one cohesive whole. And it's like everything is like fine-tuned like that um, in each round until you get to the end. And I think we kind of... We kind of went through that process to finish the icon and the letters, so the fonts all together, get that kind of ready. And when we were happy with that, we only moved on to colors. Bringing the, the concepts and the assets that we have created from the, the creative branding process then allows us to, to put those into use on the website and in communications and in emails and in social media and, and the ability to be consistent with the unified voice and tone and image across all channels that that you communicate with your audience and gives you the ability to to really create a brand we talk with matt about bringing this back to the podcasting world for you what that can mean so when people say how do i grow my podcast it's like the number one thing one of the number one things how many number ones can we slot <laughs> into the number one position but it's uh, it's being consistent so it, it doesn't mean you have to do it every week or every day, but you have to be consistent with the schedule that you have. So even if it's twice a week or even if it's once a month, you have to keep that consistency so people know that you still exist and you still stay relevant in their podcast, uh, in their podcast players. But a design, brand design sprint like we did, it sets that design language, which I know everyone starts to like roll their eyes, like anyone who's just like, you know, a money person, <laughs> like I don't want to spend any money on this stuff. They hear design language, they go, that's going to cost me a lot of money. Like, what, what are you going to do? You're going to make me this palette of colors and brands. And Francois did exactly that. But he does it in, in a way that we can repurpose for all of the different scenarios. So if you start promoting your show, for example, and you have your logo made, like when I create, have my designer create logos for my own podcast, Create them for many different contexts. Show it to me on Instagram. Show it to me on LinkedIn. Show it to me on a Twitter background. Like give it to me in all these different areas so that I don't have to think about it when I go to do something on Instagram, let's say. But more importantly, uh, so that I don't get inconsistent. And we did this with all of our colors, getting out our, all our typography, like when you should use colors, when you should use typography. And, uh, you know, Francois and I, Francois and I worked together the other day to load up all of those assets into Canva so that if I want to make a one pager for a particular customer or a, a tile for a YouTube video, it's already decided for me and I don't have to think about it. And I most importantly, do not deviate from the brand language so that somebody sees me do something and it looks different than when Craig does something and then when Chad does something and Sam and so on and so forth, it stays consistent, which is very important for the brand. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we, we put this out and we, you know, kind of open sourced it. So folks want to go to tempo.castos.com, check it out. It's our, it's our entire brand guidelines, brand and style guidelines has everything from fonts 
um, well, no, it, I should say it starts with like kind of our mission and our vision and our values, right? Which is where all of this starts. It's like who we are, who do we want to be, who do we serve, why are we here? Um, what are the goals of the business? Because this this is a business. For your podcast, you can have different goals. Um, but but I think most folks are, are definitely goal goal oriented. Um, and then and then really dives into the the very specifics. Yeah, of color. What what is the purple? Like our, our new primary color is purple. What is that purple? look like when is it used how is it used what are the different hues and colors and variations and all this stuff what are the fonts we use when do we use that font and this font um and then kim came in with a lot of guidelines and content around how we create content written content um and it is voice and tone and and you know chatted with her a lot about voice and tone and what those things mean and and you know one stays the same one changes a lot and and yeah now say we hire a new person next month we can go and say okay First thing you do, new marketing person, is go read <laughs> the tempo, right? And read it twice and really grok it because it is how you will express yourself on the site and in an email and in YouTube and in podcasting everything to be consistent with our brand. Um, yeah, I think it's it's massive. It just it allows us to be consistent and put out really high quality stuff without thinking about it and reinventing the wheel every time. I hope it was helpful to hear some of the the background and the backstory of, of the brand process for us here at Castos. Uh, launching the new website and the new brand was was a really wonderful experience. As you can hear from the conversations with Francois and Matt and Kim, a lot of thought and a lot of intentionality went, went into this from, from the creative perspective and, and the words we use and, and really laying out, you know, our vision and our mission and, and kind of what we stand for and who we serve uh, to some of the practical aspects of, of what this means for our ability as a brand to do the kinds of things that we want to do. Uh, and I would just encourage you in your podcasting endeavors to, to think about your brand and what the things you put out into the world, whether it's the sound and the design and the visual elements of your podcast and your presence on your website and in social media and email, what what that means to, to people that are consuming your brand and listening to your content. Uh, and, and I hope that some of the insights that we've shared here are helpful in you crafting or reforging that brand and putting better content out into the world because that's what it's all about. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, shoot us a message, hello at castos.com. And if you're enjoying the show, head on over to castos.com slash subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast here so you get every episode as soon as it's dropped every Thursday morning. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.